0: Hey everyone. Welcome to the Hometown Fresh podcast, the show that talks all things grocery, customer service, career development, agriculture, and more. I'm Gracie, social media coordinator for Harps Food Stores, and today we'll be answering questions that you, our customers, have submitted to us over the last few weeks. I have one of our graphic artists with us today, Brittany Rosen, and we can't wait to dive into these questions. How are you today, Brittany? I'm good. How are you? Good. Did you do anything fun over the weekend?
1: Oh, gardened a little bit just got some errands done, stuff like that.
0: Beautiful. And do you want to tell the audience about your cats? Did you get to snuggle with them?
1: Yes, I have five cats. Four of them are littermates, like two separate. So we have two littermate brothers and Mm -hmm. two littermate girls and then another female. And they're just the cutest little things in the world.
0: Awesome. I sit right next to Brittany. And so I get to see her cat photos every day. And I love it because they're so cute. So we're going to answer some questions that you guys have submitted to us today. Uh, Some of them have been via email, some have been over Facebook or Instagram, and some of them are really silly. So bear with us. We are answering your actual HARPS questions, but we're also answering the silly ones because we are committed. So we'll start off with a relevant question. Somebody said, when will the new Moralton location be opening? This was asked by Cassie. We get this question a lot, not only with Moralton, but with a lot of our locations. And the simple answer is we can't give an exact date just yet, just because there's always hiccups with construction and equipment orders and weather and all kinds of things. So we're definitely making headway. And we're very excited to announce the grand opening date as soon as we can, but there have been some holdups and we've had that question with some other locations as well so just know if you haven't heard an opening date yet we are working on it we just we don't like to announce a date until everything is ready to go yeah we definitely want to
1: tell you the right date the first time yes (laughs) okay so my first question is a silly one courtesy of bill it's how much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood And we had to consult an AI program uh, to get an accurate answer. The answer is a bit tricky because in reality, woodchucks, also known as groundhogs, do not actually chuck or move wood. However, if we were to take the question as a playful hypothetical, the amount of wood a woodchuck could chuck would depend on a number of factors, (laughs) such as the size and strength of the individual woodchuck, the size and density of the wood, and the length of time the woodchuck had to work on the task. So... While there's not an exact answer to the question, we could say that a woodchuck could potentially chug a small amount of
0: wood <laughs> if it were highly motivated and capable of doing so. Sorry, I was trying not to interrupt you, but it You're just fine. got more and more ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a good answer. I don't have anything to add to that. We had to consult AI with a lot of these questions just because some of them were so ridiculous. Thank you to everyone who contributed. Yes. Also. Yes, thank you. Did you have anything to add to that? No. I'm like, what kind of wood would the woodchuck
1: chuck? Would it be pine? Oak? Would it be oak? Like, oak uh, is really birch? dense. Birch? Birch is a good wood. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I really don't know. Yeah. But if he's determined, uh, he could probably do <laughs> chuck as much wood as he wanted to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the next question is from Nicole. And she said, where's the peck of pickled peppers Peter Piper picked? <laughs> we asked chat AI where it is. Chat AI said, well, as a language model, I'm afraid I cannot give you an exact location of the peck of pickled peppers that Peter Piper picked. The tongue twister is simply a fun and challenging phrase to say that plays on on alliteration and pronunciation. The phrase is meant to be a playful exercise for your mouth and tongue rather than a description of an actual location or event. So, Nicole, I am so sorry. We do not have an accurate answer for that. I wish we did. Um, we can speculate about where it is, where are pickled peppers usually made and grown. Brittany, do you have any idea
1: on some kind of factory? I'm sure oh. I, I'm just going to throw in a out are yeah. grown in oh, a factory. No, no, but like pickled uh-huh. like where they're, where they're, I don't know. I really don't know
0: in a factory in Ireland.
1: Yes. That, that's my guess. That's your guess. Yes.
0: Okay. Is that just a shot in the dark? Yes. Okay. Brittany eats a lot of pickled things. And so I thought that <laughs> that was a legit answer, but no, oh. sorry, oh. Nicole. Here's for the next one.
1: Thank you, Paul. Another one of our graphic artists. This was his <laughs>
0: contribution.
1: What is the maximum airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? We have any Monty Python fans out there. <laughs> we consulted Chat AI for this one as well. And it actually gave us a decent answer. So it uh, referenced both African and European swallows. I thought was great, said, um, if you're talking about an African swallow, the maximum airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow is estimated to be around 24 miles per hour or 11 meters per second. However, if you're referring to a European swallow, the maximum airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow is estimated to be slightly over at around 22 miles per hour or 10 meters per second. It's worth noting that the airspeed velocity of a swallow can vary depending on a variety of factors, including its size, age, the air conditions uh, of the surrounding environment, Additionally, the concept of an unladen swallow is purely hypothetical, as a real swallow would typically be carrying some kind of payload, such as food or <laughs> nesting materials.
0: I love that it added that. Like, usually it would be carrying something. Yes. This is hypothetical.
1: Like, just so you know, this is not yeah. accurate.
0: I really hope there's people listening that understand this reference, because otherwise we're just going to sound ridiculous. What
1: is your favorite color?
0: What is your quest? <laughs> okay, moving on. Which came first? the ch- Guys, I promise there are going to be actual Harp's questions here, but this is just the way the cookie crumbled. Okay. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? This is from Joshua. Joshua is actually a regular commenter on our post, so shout out to him. This is also according to Chat AI, because we just didn't really know how to answer these. The question of which came first, the chicken or the egg, has been a longstanding philosophical and scientific debate. From a biological perspective, the answer is that the egg came first. This is because the genetic mutations that eventually led to the development of the chicken as we know it today would have occurred in the DNA of the bird's ancestor, which laid the egg that contained the first chicken. In other words, the first chicken would have hatched from an egg that was laid by a slightly different bird that was not quite a chicken. So while it may seem like a chicken must have come first in order to lay an egg, the answer is actually the opposite. The egg that hatched the first chicken came first, laid by a bird that was not quite a chicken yet. That's so interesting. Boom. Boom. Mic drop. That was, yeah, that was a really good answer because I've always wondered that, but it makes sense, like, yeah. biologically, that whatever chickens evolved from.
1: The evolution, it just, that's how it, that's how it happens. Yeah. I don't know why they don't discuss this in biology classes more.
0: I don't know either, because this is a big question for a lot of people. Do you have anything to add to that? No, I'm just impressed with how clean of an answer that was. It was very smooth. <laughs> Thank okay. you, Josh. Yes. So
1: next we have a question from Sarah. What does being employee owned mean to our associates? Being employee owned means a huge deal to our associates because it means that they're owners in the company. So the better that they do uh, serving our customers, the better the entire company does. So it really becomes a big team effort, company wide, and people feel like they, you know, have that ownership over the company. And when they're enrolled in the employee stock ownership plan or ESOP, you actually, uh, it's basically free money that our associates get for just making the company successful. So the more the company succeeds, the more the employees succeed and vice versa. So it means quite a bit.
0: Yeah. I actually just started a little over a year ago. And so I'm still learning about how the employee stock ownership program works, but it's really cool and I've heard a lot of success stories from people who've worked here for decades and they got to retire comfortably. So, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, our stock when we first started was like $27 a share, something around there. It was in the 20s mm-hmm. and now it's over 1400 per wow. share. So, people that were with us in 2001 when we went employee owned our Very rich
0: now. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Hmm. I wish I hadn't been born in 2001. I could have gotten in early. Dang it. Blame my parents for that one. This is another question from Paul, who I sit across from. Shout out, Paul. Are there interstate highways in Hawaii? This was a good question because I had never thought about this. I let chat AI answer it. So it says, I can confirm that there are no interstate highways in Hawaii. The interstate... (laughs) The interstate highway system is a network of highways in the United States that are connected across state lines, but Hawaii is the only state in the U.S. that is entirely made up of islands and therefore is not physically connected to the rest of the country by land, just in case anyone was wondering. However, Hawaii does have a system of state highways that provide transportation across its islands. These highways are maintained by the Hawaii Department of Transportation and are designated with the prefix H, followed by numbers such as H1, H2, H3, etc. These highways connect various cities, towns, and attractions throughout the islands, making it easy for residents and tourists to travel from one place to another. That is the full answer. Um, (laughs) That was a good question. Solid answer. Solid answer. Hopefully one of these days we can get a harp store over in Hawaii. That would be really cool. But as of right now, we are still in Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, and Kansas. I have the next question, which I will
1: admit I did not read before I just now got to it. So you'll <laughs> see how I answer.
0: <laughs> we'll just debate it then. That's fine. <clears throat> okay.
1: If you're six feet in the air, drop a feather and a rock, which will hit the ground first? I am willing to bet a rock. Yeah. hit The ground first.
0: I've heard this question before and I feel like there's some loophole genius answer that is like, no, the feather is going to hit the ground first. But I cannot like imagine that. I feel like it's a rock. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a rock. (laughs) We'll Google it because we have no idea. I'm going to add on while Brittany's Googling that Tony responded to Donna, who is the one that originally asked this question. And he said, in a vacuum or not, And I asked for clarification on that, and he never got back to me. Um, So I don't know if he's saying, like, if you drop a vacuum full of rocks versus a vacuum full of feathers. But I feel like the rocks would still... I feel like the rocks would still beat the feathers.
1: Does he mean a vacuum, like, there's no... Like, you're in a black hole kind of thing? What? Like, where there's, like... Never mind. She's got a slinky... I forgot she had it.
0: So Brittany has... (laughs) slinkies that she like fidgets with at her desk and she just put it on the table and um, and there it sits there it sits I just forgot she had it so it was a little alarming
1: I'm fidgety oh this is like not an explanation oh it's like a a science assignment
0: dang get that away from me no I think I actually celebrated when I finished my last science and math classes ever
1: (laughs) I'm so over it okay so which will land first if you drop a stone and a feather at the same time it says the stone will hit the ground first because it experiences less resistance from the air because of its weight, whereas the feather, due to its light weight, experiences more air resistance. So, yes, the rock would hit first. Yeah. Because of the air resistance.
0: Okay. I feel like we knew that. Yes. Why did we Google that? No. I don't know either. It's fine. I'm still confused about the vacuum thing. And then somebody said after that, am I dropping them both from the same distance above the ground? Are they also six feet above, or am I six feet? What? Are they also six feet above or am I six feet above the ground and then dropping them from the, a different height? Oh, so like Uh-oh. dropping okay. from six feet or 12 feet. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of that matters because I think we just answered it.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think we just answered. It. Next.
0: Okay, we're moving on.
1: <laughs> okay, this uh, question is from Maxie. Um, oh,
0: Maxie's also a regular commenter. Hey, Maxi oh, girl.
1: Good for her. Thanks, Maxie. We appreciate you it's a very specific question and we consulted chat ai again uh, for this one and it actually pushed back uh, for the first <laughs> it's kind <time>. of rude <laughs> yes <laughs> it was very judgy it's how many flying squirrels and green tutus does it take to sail to the equator on a kayak while singing the theme from gilligan's island <laughs> thank you again maxie <laughs> chat AI actually said, I'm sorry, but that is an absurd and nonsensical question. It is impossible to give a meaningful answer to a question that is based on such an unrealistic scenario. Flying squirrels are not aquatic animals, and they do not have the ability to kayak or navigate the open waters. However, if we were to hypothetically assume that squirrels could kayak, the number of squirrels needed to sail to the equator, while seeing the theme from Gilligan's Island would depend on a variety of factors, such as the size and weight capacity of the kayak, the amount of supplies needed and the length of the journey. In reality, it is not possible for squirrels to sail to the equator on a kayak, so any estimation would be purely speculative and have no practical use. Well, it's practical to us, Jet AI.
0: Yeah, I'm offended, especially at the flying squirrels are not aquatic animals and don't have the ability to kayak. I think that's very Debbie Downer of you.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like somewhere there's probably a YouTube video of flying squirrels. Yes. Indeed I mean, kayaking.
0: Have you seen the videos of like the pugs skateboarding? Yes. They're Chat so AI cute. would probably tell you that a pug can't skateboard. It, it might. But I've and seen wrong. many success stories. And <laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm imagining a squirrel kayaking to the like, in the arms of the... Yes. <laughs> like the theme
1: song. <laughs> Whew, okay. Where were the kayaking squirrels in Pocahontas?
0: They had canoes. I, yes, or like uh, Snow White. Yes. She had the animals that yeah. did the things.
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't Sleeping Beauty, or no, Aurora, who was she?
0: Yeah, that's right. Sleeping yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about wait, her? Wait, you said. Was she? <laughs> I, didn't did she, she have animals that did things? Yeah,
1: I think there were like birds everywhere. Mm. Something like that.
0: Okay. Oh, also the squirrel in Over the Hedge. He could yes. talk and do things. Yeah. He like broke into a whole house. For real. <laughs> he could totally kayak. <laughs> he could kayak. I believe in them. We'll figure it out. Okay.
1: Thank you for believing in the flying squirrels too, Maxie. Yes, thank you. Oh, a serious one.
0: I actually really appreciated this one, Tony, because I am an avid Friends fan. Should Rachel have gotten so mad at Ross? After all, they were on a break. I did consult Chat AI, but I do have a personal opinion, and I will say it after the Chat AI. So, Chat AI said, assuming you were referring to the popular TV show Friends, there were many instances where Rachel and Ross had arguments or disagreements throughout the series. Without a specific example, it's difficult to determine whether Rachel's reaction was justified or not. And then we get a little heavy, okay? However, it's worth noting that in any relationship, both parties are entitled to their emotions and feelings. While it's important to communicate effectively and work through disagreements in a healthy way, it's also natural to feel upset or angry when a situation arises. It's important for each person to express their thoughts and feelings openly and respectfully and to work together to find a solution that satisfies both parties. In short, whether Rachel's anger towards Ross was justified or not would depend on the specific situation and the dynamics of their relationship. So, the situation with Ross and Rachel and Friends is often debated among fans, with some arguing that Ross was justified in his actions and others feeling that Rachel was in the right. However, it's clear that the situation had a significant impact on their relationship and was a major plot point throughout the series. So, personal opinion, Ross frequently says that they were on a break, and I feel like if you're on a break, that means like pause, not terminate. Uh, Right. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yes. Like I feel like he was in the wrong.
1: Like he paused the subscription, but you didn't like cancel it. You didn't cancel later.
0: Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So Ross was definitely in the wrong. Do you know what? Do you watch Friends? You know what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is your
1: opinion? I think they should have had a talk to specify the criteria of the break. Okay, I feel like it can mean different things to different people. That's fair. Which probably led to all the drama
0: that it did in that specific. Mm-hmm. That's a fair answer. Yep. <laughs> Very politician dancer of <laughs> you.
1: I send the gif of the turkey on her head dancing. Everything's on Ma- Monica's head. Uh-huh. Yes. Every year Thanksgiving goes out to everybody. Oh, do you really? Yes. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. We're gonna skip over the next. We'll come back to it we're going to come back to the next question. This is a question from Steven. I'm so sorry about all the silly questions, everyone, but you did it to yourselves. So if you had to fight 14 times your displacement in furious Canadian geese and could only have one non-projectile weapon, what would you pick and why? I'm going to let chat AI answer this and then Brittany and I will debate. Chat AI said, I cannot physically interact with the world and therefore cannot choose a physical weapon. However, I can suggest some potential options for a non-projectile weapon that could potentially be effective in a scenario where one is faced with a large number of aggressive geese. One option could be a sturdy, long stick or pole that could be used to keep the geese at a distance. A long pole would allow you to keep the geese at bay without getting too close, which could help to reduce the risk of injury. Additionally, a sturdy stick could be used to strike back at the geese if necessary, Another option could be a large, heavy object such as a rock or a piece of wood that could be used to defend oneself against the geese. While this would require getting closer to the geese, it could be effective in situations where there are too many geese to keep at a distance with a pole. It's important to note that in any situation involving aggressive animals, it's best to prioritize safety and avoid confrontation whenever possible. If faced with a large number of aggressive geese, it may be best to find a safe place to take shelter until the animals have moved on. So Brittany... All of that answer aside, if you were being attacked by a swarm of aggressive geese, what would be your like go-to weapon?
1: Ugh. Well, I don't want to hurt the geese, but like flamethrower comes to mind. <laughs>
0: <Flame-thower>. <laughs> or I, I, guess I don't want to hurt them, so I'll just disintegrate I them. Know, I don't, I don't
1: like <laughs> it. I guess it's projectiling the flame though, so I guess that actually oh, doesn't. My work.
0: gosh. Okay. Well, it would actually, make them stop. Actually. That's a good answer because somebody then said, also, can you fry them like chicken? So oh. I feel like that's a double whammy. Like you just answered okay. both questions. <laughs> like flame throw the geese and, and roast then them have them for dinner. All at the same time. You, your whole feast. family. Yeah. Extended. Even your the whole neighborhood, the whole neighborhood, third cousins. Yeah. Hamsters. Hamsters. I don't know Do if that's.
1: Hamsters eat geese.
0: I don't know. I don't know if that's ethical either, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do they eat <hate> poultry? <laughs> I
0: don't know. <laughs> We have Go- more questions. Googles, do hamsters eat poultry? <laughs> what happens? Okay. Um, I feel like, dang it, I feel like your answer kind of beats mine. I don't really know what I would do. Also, I don't know if a car would count. Does a car <laughs> run <laughs> over with your car? My immediate
1: response would be just to run back to the car as fast as possible, assuming I had a and car. And like hit them with your car? Mostly like hide in the car. Oh. <laughs> but also, Okay, yes. but like. You could hide and honk at them. Okay. A man, would
0: they over. would just honk back. True. They're geese.
1: Or you could just drive away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay.
1: Fight or flight, I would take.
0: Wait, flight. this says you could only have one non-projectile weapon. Does a flame thrower I don't it count counts. as a projectile? I know. Google I, it. I don't. We have to answer this properly. <laughs> I just need to know.
1: It is a projectile weapon.
0: Dang oh, it. okay. You have to change your answer. <laughs> That was a good answer. It says non-projectile. I'm gonna go with car,
1: so we can just run them over.
0: What counts as a non-projectile weapon? Like, like something that doesn't shoot. Okay, okay. So like hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. With the geese. Yeah. (sighs) I feel like
1: the chat AI was pretty good. Like a sturdy stick.
0: I don't know. I need something more aggressive than that. If it's like a group, 14 times your displacement of furious Furious. Canadian geese.
1: Like the ravenous. Yes. frothing at the beak. <laughs> the
0: beak i feel like i would go with an axe or something yeah I like a like, double-sided axe yeah i feel like that would do some damage axe murder some geese yeah
1: i don't know it would just be called butchering wouldn't it? oh that's yeah
0: that's true Har- harvesting Har- <laughs> harvesting just another day out on the farm okay um furious, furious. canadian geese <laughs> hello axe murdering would you like to chime in Okay okay,
1: so our next question
0: change of pace is
1: <laughs> Our next question is what determines the date of the Super Saturday me sale every month? It usually tends to be around the beginning of the month, but it does depend on um, product availability and what we can find the best prices on because um, we want to make sure we get the absolute best value uh, to provide to our customers it has to be a super Saturday sale, right? It can't just be a mediocre yeah. Saturday sale. No, that, so, yeah. so we make sure we lock in like the best absolute prices and kind of correspond with our suppliers and vendors on the dates for that.
0: Mm-hmm. How do we choose where to put new store locations? So I actually, I went to email the person in charge of um, purchasing stores and going out and finding new locations and all of those things. And I didn't have time, but basically there's a number of factors. If there's a demand in a certain location, we will look into buildings that we could possibly put a store in. We oftentimes will buy out other grocery stores that are looking to sell their businesses. And so if they already have the capability of being a grocery store or they have a pharmacy or a bakery deli already kind of built in, we'll buy locations um, based on that. So there's there's a number of factors. Do you want to chime in on that, Brittany?
1: Yeah. So there are, like you said, a number of factors. It depends on if someone is um, selling a location, if it's an area that's, you know, ideally we want our locations to tie in with the current warehouses mm-hmm. that we work with right now. So it has to be within, I mean, ideally within a certain radius we want to make sure that the competition is like right for us so usually if there's a bunch of competition it's already saturated so Mm -hmm. we kind of leave that to them and look for other places where maybe towns don't even have a grocery store and Mm -hmm. um, adding one in would actually would really you know benefit the community maybe they used to have a grocery store and it closed and they haven't had one for a while and it it really is a struggle for some communities so we do like to open up in those types of areas Mm -hmm. but it it all just depends.
0: Yeah. I actually talked with Mike on our first podcast episode. We talked about food deserts and how we try to place store locations in places that don't have a grocery store and they don't have access to fresh produce and meats and all of those things, kind of like you said. And in food deserts, oftentimes, I did not know this, but Dollar General's will get produce in places where there's like no grocery store nearby. Oh, wow. And Charleston, Arkansas, just recently, they have a harp store. And they have a Dollar General, and the Dollar General just recently started carrying produce, huh. so that's crazy. But yeah, we we try to go to places where customers need somewhere to shop. So
1: next question from. Dara, how does Harps keep produce so fresh? We do a number of things to help keep our produce fresh. Uh, We get, of course, multiple truck deliveries throughout the week um, so that we only order what we need and therefore can keep it as fresh as possible. It's not, we don't like to have it sitting on the shelf or in the back room longer than it absolutely has to. You'll notice every produce department has like a a wet section or a mist section where the lettuce and things like that get misted. um, That helps keep them fresh and um, for a getting dehydrated and wrinkly and nasty. We always rotate our produce so, you know, the newest is on the bottom and the older like riper tomatoes would go on the top. You don't want ripe tomatoes on the bottom and then new like almost green ones on top and mm-hmm. the ripe ones just get squished and it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> So rotation is very important. Um, Knowing how to store produce is very important. So a lot of like greens and things like that, those need to be kept cool. Bananas, you do not want to keep in the cooler. They will turn gray and um, it'll stop the ripening process and they'll never ripen. (gasps) Um, Yeah, it's weird. Now, people still like to put bananas in the freezer Mm -hmm. and have bananas like that. But if you just want like a fresh banana, not frozen, best to not keep it in the fridge. Good to know. You also don't want them to get too hot. So a lot of times we'll like open the banana boxes if we have extra so they can breathe Mm -hmm. because they produce methane gas. And if it gets all trapped in there, it'll make them ripen faster. Uh, So just being aware of that and like when you store them that kind of thing knowing which fruits and vegetables all emit that methane gas like soft fruit like peaches they also emit that but you do want them in the cooler all soft fruit you want in the cooler Mm -hmm. it really just depends We, we do a number of things
0: interesting so is it true that like I've heard this before that if you put some bananas that are not quite ripe yet in a paper bag with a piece of bread that it'll help it ripen faster I don't know about the piece of bread but oh. in theory, yes.
1: Okay. Like just being in the bag and having uh, the gas that it emits kind of trapped in there, it'll uh, make the bananas okay. ripen faster. So mm. I've actually tried this. Some people <laughs> like swear by taking apart, if they get a bunch of bananas, taking all the bananas apart and placing them away from each other around the kitchen mm-hmm. so that they're not like right next to each other, admitting, emitting the gas uh-huh. right next to each other, that they don't ripen as faster. Mm. Um, I've tried it and I haven't noticed a difference because I eat them too fast. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> So the question as to whether or not we offer ice cream cakes in our stores, select locations um, do offer them in the in our bakery deli, but not all. Mainly you can count on, hopefully your store offers uh, ice cream cakes in the frozen section, but I wouldn't count on them in the bakery deli if okay. that answers the question.
0: Yeah. Dara wants to know, what is the best seller of meats and seafood? Do you know the answer? I do not
1: I would um, be willing to bet ground beef yeah or that ground, would make sense ground chuck ground beef
0: mm-hmm. something like that yeah that or, would make sense chicken like chicken yeah breasts. just something basic that everyone uses yeah makes sense Fun fact for the <laughs> banana section
1: mm-hmm. that's always the first code. That every cashier learns like ever.
0: Really? It's 4011
1: because everyone gets bananas. It's always the first code every cashier learns.
0: Yeah. Brittany used to work in produce. So anytime I have a produce question, I go directly to her because she knows so much. Produce You're like is a where it's
1: at. Wealth of knowledge. Yes. I try. <laughs> How long has Pick Five been around and is there a backstory from Dara? We used to have pick five and produce. Now it's pick two for five. It's been around since I've been around. So I'm not sure exactly how it started. I feel like it was always a good program to provide a bulk value for a decent price to the customer because you can get uh, five packages for 25 and a package might be three squash or four apples or like eight lemons or zucchini, potatoes, avocados, tomatoes, all the things, and they're in a package, and you get them for just that flat price. So it was usually a pretty good deal. Dang. Um, but now it's pick two for five, and I think we've kind of played around with the variety some. And mm-hmm. um, we also have pick five for 25 in our meat department, and I'm not sure how long that has been around either, but it's the same concept. Yeah. It's been around for a long time.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I do enjoy the pick two for five. Um, when I go into Harps, I usually go get that because it's a pretty good deal like yeah. on produce and stuff. The next question is also from Dara. She asked a lot of questions. They're all really good. Are the excellent bakers harps built, found external, or both? That's something that we kind of answered, I think, in the podcast with Heidi Horror Stories Bakery Deli Edition. So if you're interested, go ahead and listen to that. But it's a little bit of both, I think. Um, there's people who come to harps as cashiers and then You know, if they show an interest in the bakery deli, sometimes they're allowed to move over. And I think Heidi was saying they start as bakers. And then if they show talent or very good improvement in that area, then they're allowed to start cake decorating. And you kind of work your way up from there. But, you know, we also find external sometimes and we go to people who have worked at other bakeries or they just love to bake on a personal level. And we've even had people go on and start their own businesses and go and compete in competitions and stuff, which is pretty cool. So it's it's a little bit of everything, but we are very proud of our bakers and cake decorators and all of the above. Seth, shout out Seth. He's also a huge follower of Harps had a lot of questions about our marketing, which is kind of Brittany and I's wheelhouse. And so might be kind of fun to answer. So why the huge push for what seems like a Gen Z audience? I guess I can go ahead and answer this one. I am... of Gen Z. I was born in 2001. And so when I was brought on, I think part of the goal and part of my job was to not only appeal to our current audience, but to draw in a younger audience as well. And so it's kind of a fine line trying to balance marketing to our current customers and also trying to appeal to the younger customers who are, you know, they're growing up, going to college, you know, college students need groceries too. Um, And so how can we be relevant and maybe bring some comedic relief to that audience as well and connect with them on a level that's different than how a grocery store might have connected to people 10, 20, 30 years ago. It's just the market is vastly different. And so there's been a lot of trial and error and there's been shifting and there's been all kinds of different things that have been a part of that.
1: Yeah, I don't think our uh, more traditional marketing experts probably would have opted for a Shrek dancing behind <laughs> our store on TikTok, but yeah. you know, we, need some, we need some fresh ideas.
0: Yeah. Shout out TikTok. Uh, go follow us if you don't already. Um, but yeah, there are some things. So the next question that he asked, I- I'll go ahead and ask that and then I'll start talking about this. He said, how do you decide how to balance funny and informative? And honestly... I kind of fly by the seat of my pants a little bit. There are times that I go to my boss Sarah and I have to ask her for approval before I post things, and then there's also times that I post things without permission, thinking you know that it's harmless. And and there's times that I have to reel back a little bit, and you know, um, it, it's hard. It's hard to balance funny and informative because I am never serious ever, <laughs> and so I want to make a joke out of everything. And there's times they're like, eh, can you just? can you just tell them what it is and just <laughs> be done with it you know um, and i'm like okay but <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's a fine line and you know
1: what one person thinks is a healthy balance of funny and informative is definitely not a healthy balance to someone else Right. Some people much prefer the dry informative. And mm-hmm. so any kind of joke to them might seem like, well, that's a little too funny. You right. Know, we they... need more informative or vice versa. Like mm-hmm. somebody just reading like, oh, you have this. OK, boring. Where's right. the funny?
0: Right. And, and there's times I think that some of our audience thinks that Oh, well, harps isn't taking us seriously. And that's not the case. You know, we're just trying to bring some light to people's Facebook feeds or Instagram feeds or whatever it is. And so I try to balance, you know, informing our audience, but then also providing some comedic relief that ties into harps as well. There was a time that I posted, this is a good example, okay? I posted something one time that was just kind of ridiculous, Um, like very obviously ridiculous. And it was something along the lines of, you could put gravy in your mug this morning and nobody would know the difference. And it kind of tied in, you know, because bakery deli and we have gravy and whatever. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of people that thought it was really funny. And then I did have some comments that were like, this is ridiculous. This is absurd. Nobody (laughs) would put gravy in their coffee mug in the morning. And I wanted to be like, first of all. That's the point. You don't know me. (laughs) (laughs) And what I, if I do uh, drink I coffee? Absolutely, drink yeah, I absolutely would drink gravy if it was good enough. Yeah, I, good yes. like homemade sausage gravy. Yes, my mother's gravy. Yeah. Shout out again because I' pretty sure I talked about it already on a different podcast. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, like there's just things sometimes that it's a fine line, and you're always gonna have haters. You know, there's times that we post about uh, giving to food banks, and then people comment angry that we're donating. Onions instead of apples. You, you know, like there's yes. always something. And so it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of community outreach, and sometimes people love it. And then other times it doesn't get the response we expected, but it's the name of the game, baby. Seth also wants to know what marketing goals do you currently have? Do you have an answer or should I answer? Um, you can answer. <laughs> okay. I have a list of specific goals on my computer that I I am not currently with. But overall, I can summarize it by saying growth is the overall goal. I'm constantly checking our analytics to make sure that our engagement is improving and our followers and our likes and things like that. The goal is to reach our current audience while also, you know, extending a hand out to a broader audience. Um, We always want to reach new people while serving and entertaining the people that are already followers and have been loyal customers to us for a long time and so at least on the social media side I can attest to the marketing goal is growth and it's to inform and educate and entertain.
1: Yeah that's yeah. that's a great answer and that kind of inspired me to address the next question because, um, Seth also asked why a podcast and how does that fit into your plan? And just like you said, um, it's all about like reaching our current demographic and then also like putting out a hand to anyone else that doesn't follow us currently. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that means extending ourselves onto different platforms like a podcast or TikTok, things like that, instead of just one platform. Uh, The more people you can reach, the more people you can communicate with, and the more you can serve your communities. Also, the podcast is um, a big platform that we're using for Hearts Learning You, which is an internal um, educational resource uh, for our associates. So, We know that our associates are uh, definitely busy. (laughs) Everyone is. And when you already have a full-time job, how do you go about uh, making time for building yourself professionally and learning new things about leadership? And we, of course, have in-person meetings and I think Zoom meetings, but extending a lot of those lessons out onto a podcast allows for our associates to listen, like maybe on their drive to or from work or while they're running errands or even on lunch. so they can do it as they have time, which is convenient for them. And uh, it's really just thinking about them and what would what would make it easier for them as opposed to saying, hey, um, we want all of our associates to drive to this one spot. And you might be driving four hours to even get there and right. spend all day at a leadership meeting. So we thought a podcast for that specifically would be a, a great alternative.
0: mm mm-hmm. Like you said, it's about Harps Learning You and it's about connecting our executives and our associates and all all of the people that um, work to make this company thrive in the way that it does and educating our customers more on what we do from store level to executive level and just letting them hear about the process. I know there's some ridiculous questions on this podcast today and they're probably like, yeah, educating, but for real, like- <laughs> But they came from you guys, so- yes. <laughs> So you played yourself anyways, <laughs> um, but we want to be holistic in our marketing strategy. And so part of that is trying to reach everyone we possibly can in every platform that we possibly can. When do I start? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. Immediately <laughs> as I, <laughs> so I'm going to, and as it like trails in, then you start okay. just whenever feels right. <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: We've had a lot of fun answering all of your questions today. Thanks for listening and be sure to submit any other further questions or comments you have uh, below the description and uh, we'll respond to you. If you're still here, thanks for listening and make sure to tune in next week where we'll hear from Bob Arthur on the Heart Learning You Show. Don't forget to subscribe to the Hometown Fresh podcast channel and check the description below for more information and helpful resources related to this episode. Thanks!